It's Manye, which means Dr. Michael Rodonek is with us to answer your Bible questions in. Get those in right now, 800-555-7898. Again, that number, 800-555-7898. If you have a question about the Bible, you know, Dr. Michael Rodonek joins us uh, just about every Monday, and that's a great opportunity for us to get those Bible questions answered. A lot of times you may have your own personal Bible study. You may have heard something in church. There are all sorts of, sorts different, of different ways, ways or reasons that you may have uh, come across a Bible question, question, and we want to be able to answer those questions. Well, Michael Rydelnik is the host of Open Line. He talks to everybody across the entirety of the Moody Radio Network on Saturdays, including all of our affiliate stations, but we get him to ourselves on Mondays. He's also a provost and dean at Moody Bible, or a dean at Moody Bible Institute, a professor there. Professor and Provost, you'd think I know the difference between those two things. And uh, author of the 50 Most Important Bible Questions. So again, if you have a question, 800-555-7898. Michael, good morning. Glad to have you here with us on this Monday morning. You ready for a Bible question? Uh, Right away, sure. Why not? All right, let's jump right in to uh, the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 19 Rhonda is texting in and asking, how do you explain 1 Peter 3.19? Is this about Jesus going to hell after he died on the cross? Did he save people? What, what, what's going on here? Well, uh, I think it's important uh, to understand uh, that the idea that Jesus went to hell is not a doctrine that comes from the, the New Testament. Uh it's, uh, Where does that come say, from then? Because we, sometimes we hear people. Creed. Well, it's only in the late Apostles' Creed, not in the earliest ones. Uh, it was added about the third or fourth century. So uh, that's not something that was there. When the Lord Jesus died, what were the last words? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Just before he died, when the thief on the cross says to him, Lord, remember me, me when you come into uh, to your kingdom. What does the Lord Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, the the other verse that, that people sometimes cite is uh, that Mary Magdalene was gripping on to Jesus, and he says, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to the Father on the morning of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Well, does that mean he didn't go to be with the Father when he said, into your hands I commit my spirit? No, it means that I'm going to be resurrected and with you. for four- I am resurrected. I'm going to be with you teaching you for the next 40 days. In fact, it says, it doesn't say, don't touch me. Literally, it says, stop clinging to me. You could just imagine what it's like there in the garden in that morning. Mary sees her Lord alive. She grabs a hold of him. She's not letting go, you know, uh, and, and so that's what that means. Now, what does First Peter 3.19 mean? Here's what the verse says. Uh, I'll read it in context. Messiah died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, that refers to the resurrection, which also he went, in which also he went and made proclamation, or by which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. Uh, He was made alive by the spirit, okay, Uh, the spirit of God, And also he went by the power of the Spirit and made proclamation to the spirits now, now in prison, uh, meaning that he had preached to the spirits who are now in prison. But he didn't do it directly after uh, after his death. 
He did, and if you look at the context, it's talking about in the days of Noah. That in the days of Noah, he preached to them by the Spirit through Noah. And now, and they rejected Noah's message, and now they're in prison awaiting judgment. Uh, the spirits of, of people awaiting judgment. So that's what it was talking about. It's not talking about the Lord Jesus actually uh, going after the crucifixion into hell and preaching there, uh, but rather him preaching by the power of the Spirit through Noah to the people in Noah's day. Now they are spirits in prison awaiting judgment. Uh, the, the interesting thing to me is Wayne Grudem, the great theologian, uh, now at Phoenix Seminary, uh, wrote, uh, it, it is fairly ancient, this doctrine. We think about third, gener third century, mm -hmm. but just because a doctrine may be old, doesn't make it true. Uh, and that's one of the things that, that's really important. Uh, there, there's justification by faith was lost to the church until the 16th century. Doesn't make it false. You know, yep. uh, so length of time is not how we judge doctrines. It's uh, by the, the plain meaning of Scripture. Yeah, and I've heard it said that Jesus actually experienced all that hell is, not by descending into hell, but by being on that cross, you know, separated from the Father, plunged into total darkness, bearing the weight of sin, the agony, the suffering. So if we're going to think of Jesus experiencing any sort of hell, it would actually be the time that he spent on the cross is where he experienced all that hell is. And, you know, the Bible says that uh, God made him who knew no sin to be a sin offering, not sin itself, but mm -hmm. a sin offering for us, uh, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. So we have to understand what the point of the cross was. He doesn't have to go to hell to make the redemption that, uh, uh, effective. Yeah. Complete, yeah. Yeah. Yes, great yeah. question, Rhonda. Thank you for texting that in. And if you have a question for Dr. Rydelnik, 800-555-7898 to text that in. You could also message us, messenger us. <laughs> What's the verb? You can send that through Messenger. It's Don and Steve in the morning. Prime, thank you for your call from Miami, Florida this morning. I appreciate this question for Dr. Michael Rydelnik. If you have one, 800 555-7898 to call or text that in. Dr. Rydelnik, Prime wants to know if she's starting to read the Bible, which is the best translation that she should grab? Someone that's never read the Bible. That would, mm -hmm. Well, there's so many great English translations, and there's a variety of kinds. There's the uh, very literal, like the New American Standard, and also the uh, English Standard Version are very literal. Then uh, there are some that are called, uh, that's a word-for-word -word translation. Then there are thought-for-thought -thought translations, like the New Living Translation, which is a very good translation, but it's thought-for-thought -thought, uh, rather than word-for-word -word because languages have changed so much. Uh, and uh, so it goes thought-for-thought. -thought. And then uh, there's, as you move more towards the center, you've got like the New International Version, which is close to thought for thought, but tries to be literal. And I think right in the center is the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which is uh, optimal, I think, because it it tries to balance literal word for word with uh, communicating the thought. But if I were just starting out and had never read the Bible before, first of all, I would take a taste, try and read a little bit of everything. You can find that online. Secondly, 
uh, probably someone who has never read and is completely a novice at reading the Bible, I'd go to the New Living Translation. I think it's a, a good translation uh, and it's easier to understand. Uh, then uh, one other thing I would say, and this is what Eve always says, which is the best Bible to read? Which translation is the best? The one that you'll actually read, which is why I think the NLT is very good because it's one that people will actually read if they've never read before. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because I love the NLT. It reads so easy compared to some of the other ones. And so, yeah, it's a good one. We're also giving away a Bible right now. You yeah. can get registered. We're giving away a Ryrie Study Bible as well as a Moody Bible Commentary. So you might get registered for that. MyMoodyRadio.org is how you'll find the banner for that. Well, let's uh, head back to the questions here. Sherry from Chicago is asking, all right, in Mark chapter 2, Verses 18 to 22, Jesus tells the Pharisees that the disciples don't fast because he's with them. Starting in verse 21, he talks about new cloth being sold into an old wineskin. He uses that analogy. Does verses 21 and 22 relate to why the disciples don't fast? She said, I understand verses 19 and 20, but I'm not sure about 21 and 22. Uh the the context there, she's right. It's about uh, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And he says, well, they can't fast right now, but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away, and then they will fast. And then he says, and when they do that, they won't make their decisions only based on tradition, putting uh, new wine into old wineskins, old, but they're going to make adaptations that fit the new wine. That's what it is, because it's not just John the Baptist that was his disciples fasting, it was the Pharisees. And so the people were expecting, well, Jewish tradition says you should fast. And what the, now it doesn't mean that you can't keep Jewish traditions, it's just there's going to be innovative ways of, of keeping uh, traditions, because he does say they're going to fast. Uh, when the bridegroom leaves, but they're going, it's going to be uh, not based on the tradition, but based on circumstances after the resurrection. That kind of brings up some some good things for us to think through now, because if the Pharisees and if the Jewish people had traditions, things that they may have even been instructed to do, we tend to hang on to our traditions as well. Sometimes that keeps us from following the Lord in purity and seeking after him because we get hung up on a tradition. How do we kind of recognize that, Dr. Rondelnik? Oh, it's so funny. I I went to a, uh interim, pa interim pastorate. And I just wanted to have the, 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 the I didn't want, the, the way the previous pastor preached was with a table, and he didn't have a pulpit. Hmm. I don't really like a pulpit, but I do like having a little lectern that I can put my Bible on while I'm speaking. Uh, I don't stand behind it, I walk around, but I just wanted a, a, a lectern, a podium, something that I could put, or a music stand. I didn't care. Something I could put my Bible on. It, yeah. And uh, you'd think that I was turning the world upside down by asking <laughs> for that. Because in their church, they the guy had a tall table that he would put his Bible down and stand next to it. I think what we need to do is say, on essentials, we stick to them. 
But on non-essentials, things like where you set your Bible during a sermon or where the piano sits or how loud the music is or things like that, then we have that's a non-essential. What we have to do is adapt. Yeah. Well, Hanging on to those traditions. Exactly. It's sometimes it's hard to let go of those traditions, but uh, sometimes we need to do that. Well, Michael, thank you for uh, joining us this Monday morning. And one of our traditions is he joins us just about every Monday morning to take your questions about the Bible. So if between now and next Monday you have a Bible question pop up, jot it down. You can even text it in. We'll save it for Monday, 800-555-7898. But uh, again, appreciate you joining us and taking our questions this week. Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. Well, we're glad you're with us on this Monday morning. And, uh, you know, as we were talking with Dr. Michael Rydell like a few minutes ago about Bible translations and getting into the Word of God, you know, he said, best Bible translation, the one that you'll actually read, yes. right? The one that you'll do that. And as we, we read the Bible, we learn all sorts of different stuff about the human condition, about who God is and about who we are. And, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that God created everything. And I love the fact that, like, we don't need this big preamble or setup. The the Bible kind of opens with God stepping onto the scene and just basically in, not introducing himself or anything. Just in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Like God is creator. And as creator, he, in a sense, gets to set the rules. When you invent something, when you create something, and you say this is its intended purpose, as creator, you get to define its intended purpose. God says, all right, I'm creating this world, and I'm creating man to live in this world, to have dominion over it, and to have relationship or community with me, to know me. And the problem is, Don, we've kind of messed that up. Oh, we did, and we did it through Adam and Eve. And, and just like we can run family traits through our DNA, that that's on a very small scale to try to comprehend how sin came into the world through Adam and Eve. And because of that, it's passed down to each of us. We come in with a sin nature that we tend to want to placate. We want to try to bring peace to our lives. And we think that if I can just feed the desire in my world, then that's going to bring me peace. And and you probably have found that no matter what you're trying to feed your body, your mind, it's just not bringing the peace because that is a God's, you've maybe heard it said, a God-sized hole mm-hmm. in your heart. It, there is this need for saving from ourselves, saving from our sin that we've been created with because of that sin nature. And Jesus, because God said, I've got a plan, I'm going to send my son who is perfect he has no sin. That's the only reason he can take on your sin nature. So he who knew no sin became sin for us. And that's why we have the cross. And that's why we have the resurrection. Because in order for the work to be complete, Jesus took our sin upon him when he went to the cross and died. But then with power being the son of God, this proved it when he raised from the dead, when yeah. he was raised from the dead. So we can look to him for that completedness, for forgiveness of sin. But I think the hardest part for us is recognizing, especially in our society today, recognizing that we have a sin nature. Sure. Like, I'm okay. I'm good enough. I mean, I, you know, I'm well, all right. I mean, a lot of us, if we're going to be really honest, would probably say, I'm a good person. At least that's how we think we are. I'm a good person who sometimes messes up. Mm. I'm a good person who sometimes does bad things. But overall, I'm a good person. Define good. Uh, Well, there we go. Number one, we needed to define good. Number two, 
if standard is perfection, good isn't good enough. And God's standard is absolute holiness, perfection, no sin whatsoever, no mess-ups, no, well, every once in a while I do a bad thing. No, no never a bad thing. Right. Right. And we all do the bad thing. We do. I mean, if you have a, if you're a parent, you realize it doesn't take all that long for a sin nature to sh- start showing up and manifesting in our kids. And then as we get older, we, we continue to sin all throughout our lives. But God has said the standard is perfection. None of us are can reach that. None of us can attain that. But as you said a moment ago, Jesus did. Living a sinless life, he paid for our shortcomings. He paid our debt. He paid the penalty that we would deserve, that we do deserve. And he did so for those who would come into a relationship with him. The big question is, do you have a relationship with him? Do you have a relationship with him? Have you realized what the book of Romans and the Bible would say, the wages of sin, which remember, if we mess up one time, just even being born. Yeah, we come with that sin nature. So the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life. And that's where that relationship is so key. Looking to Jesus, acknowledging our sin nature, and acknowledging that we can't do anything about it. That good enough life, it just doesn't exist because sin brings death. But the gift of God, turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do that even now. We even have more information because it is a big decision, but it's also eternal Mm-hmm. in nature in making that decision to follow Christ and accepting his forgiveness and relationship that is a game changer for the rest of your days here this side of eternity and forever with him which is going to be perfection we long for that and that is with Jesus in his presence so here's where you can get more information MyMoodyRadio.org. In the upper right-hand corner of our website, you'll see How to Know Christ. (laughs) MyMoodyRadio.org. Just got the best text ever. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was joking uh, about just the dealer thing when it comes to, and I know it's not a laughing matter, but yes, just so funny about this lady that I heard say to a table full of Girl Scouts, I've already seen my dealer. And I was thinking about coffee and how our dealer, if you will, for coffee is our friend Mike at Raphael's coffee.com and he texted he said good morning from your dealer <laughs> i'm like hey, if the shoe fits right need some more in my coffee yeah we uh we've got a pot roasting over there roasting no the don and steve brewing. of the morning blend oh over so there. good yep. you were looking at some different kinds of girl scout cookies though ones i've never heard of sabrina you said thin mint is your favorite those are good solid yep i like them frozen there's oh, something yeah. tasty about freezing those. Yes, you said definitely to to make sure they're frozen. But there's some others I haven't heard of. Yeah, so they always have some of the classics, yes, right? The, yes. the go the old time go tos. But the 2024 lineup Ooh. is what this is called, if you will. Some of these I've never heard of before, and I want to try them now. Adventurefuls, indulgent mm. brownie inspired cookies topped with caramel flavored cream and a hint of sea salt. Oh. That sounds amazing. Looking at a picture of that, Tagalong has now been renamed, I believe, back to Peanut Butter Patties. Oh, As I see this chart and our little Samoas or whatever are now Caramel Delights. Same cookie, same great flavor. Do you have a picture there of the uh, Caramel Chocolate Chips? 
I do. So chewy cookies with rich caramel, semi-sweet chocolate chips, and a hint of sea salt. Yeah. Again, that sounds amazing. Really? That one doesn't appeal to me quite as much. Oh, no. Bring it on. <laughs> but those Adventure Fools, I'll try those. And the lemonades sound pretty yummy to me. They do. Refreshing shortbread cookies topped with tangy lemon-flavored icing. I can't remember the last time I purchased. I used to sell Girl Scout cookies. They were like $1.75 a box. Right. Well, now <laughs> I, I don't even know what they go for anymore. Right like now. 6 and $7, Eggs, I think. Right. And the cookies are smaller. The boxes are smaller. I, so that's part of the reason that. And if I have them in the house, I will eat them. Therefore, I do not buy them. Yeah, this Agreed. is real. But when I was in school and it was a Girl Scout, we would, um, like, our school was round. And if you were a hall monitor, you made sure everybody had their pass. Wait, if the you school had, like, was round? It, it, yes. They've changed it. But it, Okay. Well, they, yeah. It's a, it's a long story. But it, it was round with open classrooms. It was one of the schools that tried the open classroom concept. And they changed that, I heard you say. They that, did that didn't change work, did it. it. But, well, it did while we were in school. But as society changed and the number of kids changed, like the classes were bigger. They had to go into a closed classroom situation. However, it was great for selling Girl Scout cookies because guys would pool their money and then I'd go and pick up a box and bring it back to him on my next route around the school because I was a hall monitor. Worked out great. That's nice. Did you ever uh, sell any toastiers? Toast I didn't know these were a flavor either, but I'm toast shaped cookies full of French toast flavor and dipped in delicious icing. Oh, no. See, that's another one that just mm. does not sound good to me. I don't know. I think that I have to stick with more traditional. Other than the lemonades, I would try those. But otherwise, let's just stick with that top row right there. Thin mints, caramel delights, peanut butter patties. Sold. Those are all winners. That's, that's like tic-tac-toe win right there. Yeah, Three across the top. Across. And you got it. it. Exactly. Well, we're glad you're with us. It's Don and Steve in the morning.